Hey, everybody. This is Melissa McKenzie, publisher of The American Spectator, along with Scott McKay, editor of The American Spectator. What else are you? Publisher uh, of The Hayride.com, uh, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin, which is my new Obama book that's coming out in September. Wow. Those are, those are my things right now. Yeah, that's great. Well, so we're here again on a hot Southern afternoon, Scott, talking about the news of the day. And um, as per usual with anything, when a Democrat is in charge, things are chaotic and crazy. And the media is telling us to ignore our lying eyes and pocketbooks. I, you know, we didn't talk about this before, but just as a side note, I keep noticing all of these the propaganda saying that the economy is great, the economy is great, and and why isn't uh, Biden getting any credit for what he's right. doing? And it's like people aren't stupid. We we know what our like grocery costs alone are just you know making everybody uh, suffer. Right. And so like and I, I was I didn't realize that they're still drain, draining the. Uh, petroleum reserve to try to keep gas prices below three dollars a gallon oh, yeah. because otherwise that would be a problem um there's so many ways that the democrats are spending today's today you know making today okay and trading it on the future and it's always the way it is but it's it's a little frightening and then three thousand troops have been called up or whatever to go overseas i don't know yep. so like so like they're asking why people are not giving biden credit and i'm like for what your yeah. kid's a crackhead there's you know we look like fools around the world as you dotter everywhere and and here's an interesting thing um it seems pretty i guess uh they're their re-election campaign, Biden's re-election campaign really hasn't done anything. Someone yeah, was saying. They just opened an office in Wilmington like Monday, I think it was. Right. And so, you know, people were asking online, where's his campaign? And I, and I said, you know, does he really need one when he's got the media? I mean, is, that, is there anything that he could do more than the media is doing for him? I don't think so. Right. Why even have a campaign? Well, I mean, you know, you can make the argument and I probably would make the argument that um, not having a campaign, which if you've got Joe Biden as your candidate, not having a campaign is not all that terrible an idea, comparatively speaking. Right. The problem is you're completely at the mercy of the media. Um, and if somebody in the media decides they don't like you and they start reporting things that are true about you, <laughs> Like you might need a campaign because you end up dead in the water that way. Now, so what far, what's going to happen bet. though? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it, so far it's a good bet that that you could just ride the media wave. Um, you know, but <laughs> these mega conglomerate corporations that own all of these media outlets that they depend on are in extremists right now. I mean. Uh, I, I saw a thing we, recording this on Tuesday. I saw a thing this morning. I think it was John Nolte's column at Breitbart. Um, and he totaled it up. And the last eight, and this is before the Indiana Jones movie came out, the last eight movies that Disney has put out have lost just under, just under $900 million. 
Um, and between the cord cutting and, and loss of subscription revenue, ESPN is cutting loose about half of their on-air talent. The parks are doing like terribly badly. Worst summer they've had in more than a decade. Well, um, nobody has really, any money. I mean, it takes well, money the, to The go people to that Disney. do have money don't want to take their kids to right. Disney. So in other words, they've lost $10 billion on Disney Plus. Okay. Mm. And that's just one company, right? And Disney's one of the five least trusted brands in America right now um, because of all the woke stuff. But I mean, but they're not changing. What's that? They're, they're not changing though. Like I, did you see the picture? <laughs> Somebody no, put no, up no, no, like, yeah. The, the, the joke is, is the next big, you know, Hollywood blockbuster bomb that, that Disney's going to make is going to be snow Brown rather than snow white. Yeah. Because... Snow Br Brown and the BIPOC doors. Yeah, exactly. Well, but again, okay, so you can tack on another hundred million dollars in losses when that one comes. Right. Um, anyway, the point is, and you know, Disney's sort of an extreme example, but every one of these media conglomerate companies um, is in major trouble, and yeah. you know, and it's kind of across the board with their content offerings, whether it's news or whether it's, you know, movies they make or TV shows or any of these other things, like they're, they're all dying um, because all of the mediums within their enterprises are dying. Cable TV is dying. Mm -hmm. Streaming has not been um, the sort of next thing for them to, to operate as a profit center. All of these streaming platforms, whether it's Hulu or Peacock or Paramount Plus, or the only one that's ever made any money is Netflix. Um, and so, you know, and these are the parent companies of the cable news organizations and the network news organizations that, you know, the Democrats depend on. Um, so the more money these guys lose, you know, the, the more like in Disney's case, I've, and I've written this forever and eventually it's going to be true and I'm going to be right is Disney's either going to get one of two things is going to happen with Disney. Either a hostile takeover is going to come and the people it'll truly be a hostile takeover when the people who then own Disney will have different values than the people that have it now. Right. Because otherwise it's not really a hostile takeover, nor will it fix any of the problems that Disney has, which leads to the other possibility that Disney just flat out goes bankrupt. You know, and if you lose a hundred million dollars every time you bring a blockbuster movie to the theaters, you're gonna go bankrupt pretty soon. I mean, no studio can continue to do that, or no media conglomerate that owns six studios can continue to do that. They're losing on every single front, and the only thing that that um, that can result from that is the stock taking an absolute bath and becoming so cheap that somebody can run in and buy it. And maybe you know whether it's parceling off all the parts um to to sort of satisfy their investment uh or you know just completely shake the thing down and start over it's eventually going to happen because there's too much intrinsic value in a company company like that when their problems are mostly a complete lack of management and a complete um disconnect with the values of their customer base um well, I, but you're also not mentioning the uh the writer's strike and the actor strike. So this is the other oh, thing yeah. too. Like it, right. it yeah, does they can't fix that problem in the near run, right? Because they, they don't have the writers right. or the actors to go make good content that people want. Um, but the current management doesn't have any inclination toward doing that anyway. So, um, you know, it doesn't Sony really hurt them. 
I'm going to ask you a question that you may not know an answer to, but is Sony having as much trouble? Because it seems to me. Nobody's having as much as Disney, but they're all having some trouble. Yeah, I just I'm curious because they have kind of steered clear anytime that they have worked in association with like Marvel or something like the Spider-Man films that did so well are a joint venture with Sony. And so like, you know, you have pro-American things where they you're you have scenes right on the on the Statue of Liberty and you have you you have this kind of and same way with some of I think the Top Gun was Sony. Was it? I think it was. Um, but anyway, you know, you kind of have this, that it's okay to be patriotic and whatever. Um, and then like, Oppen- you know, Chris Nolan, you know, cranks out winners. And um, well, most, most of the time, yeah. I mean, his, I, I would, was not a winner, but Oppenheimer, I think is going to be done. Yeah, for, I'm, certainly was. yeah. And, um, the, and then they're hyping Barbie and Barbie just looks, it seems like strangely uh, overhyped that's, like it's gonna do poorly cotton candy type of thing and I, so like i'm not thrilled at going seeing that it's like they're trying to make girl power a thing in yeah, a that, it's gonna that's gonna do that's gonna do badly i mean yeah so i don't know i just am like anyway uh, we're, we're conflating entertainment and politics to an extent but the companies that we're talking about that the democrats are going to rely on to give them the publicity that they need are struggling badly um and you know here are the you know the the sort of big tech platforms that they depended on in 2020 to uh stifle the hunter biden laptop story well they lost twitter right i mean that's got a completely different, um, a completely different uh, uh, orientation than it had in 2020. And I, there was a really funny tweet this morning. Elon Musk goes and says, "Should I buy Fox News and CNN?" <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness! And then, there, you know, obviously there were more interactions with that tweet than Fox News and CNN's uh, right. primetime ratings the previous night combined um oh my goodness can you imagine like if the thing is the the absolute horror that that the left has had um i don't know if you noticed uh elizabeth warren was talking about that tesla needs to be investigated and i mean she is just an evil shrew the woman like bernie like bernie these people never have created anything never have done anything have no idea what they're talking about and then want to go in to a successful company and just and just wreck it, you know, because ideologically the person in charge right. doesn't suit them. Well, and so, the thing is, know. is that she she's not sellable to her own voters at this point. Like yeah. she proved that in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's the you know, the, the test uh, polling with Charlie Baker who's not going to run, but you know, there's been tons of polls done that Charlie Baker and, and Liz Warren in a head up matchup next year, like Baker beats the hell out of her. Mm. Yeah. Charlie Baker is running the NCAA right now. He's not going to run for the Senate, right? He's got a much better job than being a U.S. Senator. Right. Um, but you know, it's an indication that like, she's actually probably beatable. I'm not, that I'm not sure there's a Republican in Massachusetts that can beat her. Um, but like the people in that state are not big Liz Warren fans. They know they know her best, and they think she's a like you said, she's a shrew, she's a harpy. 
Um, but yeah, you're right. It's hilarious. She's, you know, we need to investigate Tesla. And it's like, do you think we don't know what you're doing? Like, you know, like, really? Do you honestly think that? Anyway, I tweeted uh, below uh, uh, Musk's tweet. I said, dude, buy Disney. You could take, they've got a zillion cable channels, rebrand one of them and make it Twitter news. Um, oh, and the thing is, here's the great thing. If he ever did decide to do something like that, you know, break off all the Star Wars stuff. Give it to John Favreau, someone who actually knows how to run sure. things and knows the brand and stop killing things. You know, like the thing with Disney is that it's not that they don't have good products. It's that they are killing them. Yeah. So like there is. If Disney goes bankrupt, you can thank Kathleen Kennedy for most of that. Oh, yeah. She destroyed yeah. both the Star Wars franchise and now the Indiana Jones franchise, which were two of the best. Well, that, I don't know who's deciding to do the live action uh, woke crap, but people uh, are sick of that, too. Uh, you know, on the positive side, The Chosen got a waiver and is continuing to film. And so season four will be coming out, thankfully. Yeah. And I'm, I am I finished season three last night. And Oh, did you? Wow. I know. Boy, was that good. Yeah. I mean, boy, was that good. Mm -hmm. um, and see, I, season four, I take it as the you know, that's when you start getting into like the Easter yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe not. They may have enough that they can do season four without that and then do it in season five. But <laughs> wow, boy, is it good. Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus mm -hmm. in The Chosen, is such a good actor. Yeah. It has that part. I mean, it's presumptuous to say. That, <laughs> I, I you know, thought you were going to say down. He but, has it nailed down. But he, <laughs> look, sorry he does. Pun. It's he good. Does. It is really, really, I mean, you know, and I think it's because he's got the kindest eyes of any actor I've ever seen. And it just, it just works with him. Um, but, you know, kind of this, he's got this really kind of placid, um, reassuring demeanor that is exactly what you would figure, um, you know, Jesus uh, if you saw him in real life or whatever would have, and he's, you know, and just like the way he plays it, the, the guy's he's so cool. Right. I mean, yeah. he's under all this pressure and he feels it, but he handles it with such grace, yeah. which, you know, I think was one of the reasons that, that, that it worked back then was that that is what he was. Um, and Rumi gets that across, you know, really well. And of course, yeah. Dallas Jenkins is the, the, the director of it is, exceptionally good it's just a great show it's the best show that's come on tv in a decade easily right it's it does one of the things that i feel like anything like i am wary of any uh overtly christian art like yeah. i like art that is christian right but i but something that's overtly christian right oftentimes is just insufferable yeah. And and it's derivative. This is especially true like in music. However, I would say that this show just on its own for its own sake is fantastic. And people yeah. who don't e who aren't even Christian can watch it and enjoy it because it's a great piece of artwork. And so people can enjoy it, which is such a nice change. I have to say as a Christian, it's like cuz you're always Kind of like, eh, you know, crossing your fingers and hoping right. that it's okay, you know. Yeah, well, and, you know, you want to like it, but 
that voice in the back of your head says, I really don't like this. Right. No, I need to like it. Right. It needs to be likable. And it isn't. So what right. do I do with it? Right. And that's, right. you know, that's largely your experience listening to Christian rock. And it's largely your experience, uh, you know, like all of those movies that that um, uh, that church in Albany, Georgia put out, um, you know, was it Courageous and Firewall and War Room and all these things. The values of the movie are so good and the movie itself. And, you know, like they, they, it's a $2 million movie, maybe, and they make $80 million and You're like, good for you. Right. Does this mean that I don't have to watch it? Because right. two hours I could spend a different way. Right. And you want to like it. And you're like, your movies are not as good as I would like them to be. Right. Um, but you're starting to see, particularly with Angel and some of these other people that are, that are um, putting things together, like Jesus Revolution was a really... Mm -hmm. really good movie and uh, again run by conservatives i think that yeah. the, i you, there is gonna have to be and even like when you look at tom cruise and what's successful for him it's not and i'm gonna say something that's kind of crazy because tom cruise is who he is right but it, the product that he's in charge of matters too i mean mission possible is doing is doing great but it's not doing as well as Top Gun was. So the right. content matters. Um, so yes, Tom Cruise is probably the last great action star block. However, but even for him, what the vehicle he's in matters. And it seems like Hollywood just does not want to do what the American people want. And like Amazon had, I, Spencer and I, uh, my son, my teenager, just we just finished watching... Um, the final installment of Jack Ryan, you know, on Amazon. And okay, what did you think of it? Um, I had the same feeling with that as I have with like a Neil Stevenson novel, although he's gotten better, but where he just can't write a conclusion. I felt like the, the, the payoff uh, of what the- payoff? There exactly, was no payoff. There was no payoff. I, and, like first of all, I could see that ending, and I'm not going to give it away, but I could see that ending a mile away, right? Right, and exactly. Small spoiler, okay? It's always the Americans who are the bad guys. It's never foreigners who are the bad guys. Well, the uh, first season was great because it yeah, felt it okay. it felt honest. Oh, I liked it, but the thing is, is yeah. that like the this this last season, I, I was just like, eh. Well, you know, I mean, it ha it has a premise that is almost correct, okay? Which is well, I mean, you know, like are almost plausible. I guess right. is a better way to say it. Like, right? You know, it's okay. So, in other words, you've got it's a, you know, it's a, a, a you know, there's an international alliance, and it's about bringing drugs in the in the United States, mm -hmm. and they don't talk about it but it's pretty obvious it's also bringing you know like a human trafficking thing mm -hmm. but they 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 stay so far away from that it's like suspicious mm -hmm. um you know and of course this is going to be you know weapons that they're going to bring in for the terrorists and it's like okay but like okay the, like nobody really thinks about that much anymore like well i just am wondering with the, with what we're seeing in real life is so heinous right so like so like the movie um 
Sound of Freedom rings true because we all know this is actually happening and it's dealing right. with what is. Whereas like Jack Ryan, the things that used to be um like I remember watching the Bourne movies and all the hyper surveillance and everything and thinking there's just no way our government is in any way, shape or form. Right. Now you know that now you know they're doing it. Right. Now, now we know they're doing it. And so like, but back then it seemed there was a fantastical element of it, but now with the way reality that is fantastical, um, you almost have to be grounded in reality because otherwise it, it, it doesn't oh, feel real. I mean, my thing is this, I think that the spy uh, genre is and we'll see with the Mission Impossible stuff. And obviously it's off to a pretty good start. Um, I think the spy genre is on its way out. And the reason is, is that most people realize that the spy agencies for the various countries mm -hmm. are not the good guys. Um, right. So it's right. even the Jack Ryan thing. I mean, they basically kind of conceded yeah. that, mm -hmm. right? Which right. is, you know, there's all these scenes and he's in front of the Senate committee and he's like, you shouldn't trust the CIA. Right. Um, and, you know, like I, I thought that that was sort of a rare, like, understanding of the way things are. But they they did a very poor job of playing off of that. Um, right. And, you know, well, yeah, it, which it is why it totally job. falls flat. Yeah. Uh, at, at the end. Um, you know, but I, like, I don't think that there's much left in that. First of all, they've done so many different spy movies they've covered it covered the board a million times and the things that you could do with that genre mm -hmm. hollywood won't do right period. Mm -hmm. um you know i mean this yeah. is you want to talk about the horse head in the bed of the movie executive from the godfather like start hey let's make spy stuff that tells the truth about uh, right see in these other right yeah, that's not gonna happen um, yeah like like let's see you know Operation Paperclip as a movie, or uh, yeah, that'll happen. And that'll happen. MK Ultra. Would you love MK... to see him do a movie about that? Yeah, and that's actually yeah, no, right. I mean, it needs to happen. It won't. Right. Mel Gibson might decide to do it, and that might very well be the end of Mel Gibson. Right. <laughs> right. If the best thing that would happen if he tried to do that would be was you can't get distribution. Um, right. Right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, well, but then again, the distribution piece is starting to be different. Like Angel Studios busted mm -hmm. that wide open by saying, yeah. no, we're going to do pay it forward. People will just like, you know, through Fandango and these other things, they will come and buy tickets in advance of your deal. Mm -hmm. And we'll have the, the theaters filled up mm -hmm. a week in advance of this thing opening. So do you want right. it or not? And the theaters... Well, you know, they got all these deals. Who are struggling. No, 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 no. They're going to fill my theater. I'm taking it. Right, Which right. is how you would have, like, if I told you that Sound of Freedom was in pretty close to 3,000 movie theaters across the country, yeah. you would have said, no way. Right, You can't get it right. in front of that many screens. Not an indie film that's a, con a conservative state. No, they got it. It was, you know, 2,800 the second weekend. And I'm, I mean, it's going to top 100 million in revenue. Yeah, that's fantastic. I've been saying this. I'm right about it. Please start listening, y'all. In five years, that will be the biggest player in the film industry. Okay, that I mean, they are killing it this fall. This uh, this fall, 
um, they've got a movie called The Shift coming out, um, which is uh, Neil McDonough, mm. um, who is a is a big conservative Christian. This is like it's like a it's a sci-fi movie, but it's like a spiritual thing. Basically, the devil has the power to pick people up out of one reality and move them into another. Um, and so like he makes deal, like it send you to a good reality and all this kind of stuff. And he does this with this guy who, you know, all he wants to do is get back to his wife in the original reality he was in. And so it's like this big sort of sci-fi epic thing. Um, and it looks really good. Okay. Like this looks like a really, really good sort of dystopian sci-fi flick that actually has a redemptive piece at the end of it. Yeah. I'll bet this thing blows the doors off the box office i mean i'll be willing to bet because when was the last time somebody did an op overtly uh sci-fi action show that reinforced your values i mean you're gonna go back to like the original star wars movies and those kinds of yeah, things yeah well i mean the thing is i'm just thinking about it it depends so like i think you know there's morality tales that are like minority report or um demolition man or you know that are telling you know yeah. have underneath it kind of a conservative or i robot even you know like if you yeah, robot was a little bit like that you know but the thing is is that uh so we'll just see but i i, I agree with you angel studios is gonna is gonna be well, a huge you know, between between that and the sequel to dune which you yeah. can't get a more conservative story than dune Right. Um, like I love it though because, be, what's because I love it because though people are so dumb now that they don't even know what they're watching. So like they well, like these well, actually things. it means it's a good story. If you can't right. immediately identify, if you have to think about it a while to identify the political bent of the show, then they've right. done a really good job with the art. Right, right. Which, you know, but like if you know about Dune and you know that the Frank Herbert, who wrote the Dune novels, was a speechwriter for Nixon. Um like you, you say, oh, I get it. But like, that's a super conservative show. Um, and the, you know, the sequel when it comes out in November is going to be massive. That's a billion dollar movie easily. I mean, well, it's okay. going to be massive. Here's the thing. I think I'm going to say something crazy right here as we talk about it. I think conservatives might be winning Hollywood. And I'll, and I'll say that oh, because, yeah. because Adam Sandler's whole project, every single one of his movies, the ending is even like, I, I don't know if you watched his basketball movie, which I loved, by the way. You should watch it if you haven't um, on Net Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that That's movie, on my list. I haven't gotten to it yet. It's yeah. great. It's, okay. it's objectively great. He acts great in it. The, the, the basketball player who is acting is amazing, by the way so good like it's the you know sometimes you watch them and you're like oh that's a, that's really awkward because that this this one is not that way at all okay and so like it's kind of like rocky for basketball but you know sylvester stallone is politically conservative mm -hmm. all of you know sandler's conservative mel gibson's conservative schwarzenegger used to be i don't know what his deal is now all this climate crap his his austrian is coming through and um right. you know, but then you've got Angel Studios. So like you see, and Mel Gibson's coming out with another movie and you have these, and then he, they have that kind of whole franchise that does well with like older men who, where they're, and they've got another uh, the one. The Expendables, yeah. The Expendables series. Right. They've got another one of those coming out. But I think that um, 
it's got to grind the gears of the woke folks in Hollywood to see all of this yeah. happening and to, um, you know, everybody's saying, well, film is dead. Cinema is dead. Well, no, it's, it's not. not. It it's, doesn't it's, have to be. And no, it, it, some it, of you are not. killing it. Well, I mean, OK, for example, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know this for a fact, but having watched like all of his movies, I'm pretty sure it's true. I mean, Guy Ritchie seems like a conservative to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Every movie the guy makes is very much on point with sort of a, you know, muscular conservative mindset. Right. Um, like, if you, for example, if you haven't watched Wrath of Man, which is a very dark mm -hmm. uh, movie, it's Jason Statham and he's a, he's a gangster who poses as a kind of Brinks security guard. Um, to to catch the people who killed his son mm. and i mean it is it is it's like a flat out like old school mel gibson revenge movie type thing yeah mm -hmm. um but it's a guy Ritchie deal and so like this the kind of the way he styles his movies mm -hmm. it's so freaking gritty and, and like visceral. hardcore yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know it's just a it's just a mean movie mm -hmm. but it's a lot of fun because it's a mean, like when you know, all right, this is a mean movie and these people are going to do like really awful things. Didn't he do the movie with- um... He did The Covenant, which was Jake Gyllenhaal about the, the, guy in the, the guy in Afghanistan who gets his interpreter out after he cycled out of the military, mm -hmm. which, is, which is recent and it's great. It is a great movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, but I wasn't even thinking of that. It was the one- um... It was kind of like a gangster movie where they were drug dealers and it was the old guy trying to retire. I can't remember. I thought it was a Guy Ritchie movie, but it was hilarious and it was the same type of thing. You're not talking about, you're not talking about Snatch, are you? No. Oh, Although that, that was, was like one I... of his first. And oh yeah. my God, it's to this day, it's like the best movie ever. It's and then a great the movie. one he did just before that was Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, which was another one just like Snatch that was uproariously funny and it, it starred all of these guys who right. were total nobodies when he cast them and mm -hmm. every single one of them is like a a star of some right. type or other now um you know and i mean oh i know the one you're talking about is um uh, uh what is it the gentleman yes that's it which, is another, which is another fantastic movie and i remember like just laughing all the way through it and knowing how it was gonna go and it wasn't gonna go well for the for the guy at the end and, and just oh yeah, my god grant is really good in that he's movie. really good in that I mean, he's he's he is very entertaining so yeah uh, yeah no like the, he i'll watch anything guy Ritchie makes because his movies are phenomenal i even I'll be, I, I, maybe I'm the only one. I thought that his King Arthur movie with Charlie Hunnam was great. I haven't it seen totally that yet. Different. It was different than the other King Arthur movies. Mm -hmm. uh, like, the, you know, they did the, the King Arthur movie with Clive Owen that was like, right. woke, and Kira Knightley is like shooting arrows a thousand yards at people. <laughs> right. Was, I, I didn't you know, see that one either. Like and then you're getting you're like, this is so stupid. I can't like this movie. But um, uh, Richie does King Arthur and he gets Charlie Hunnam to play mm -hmm. Arthur and Jude Law to play. I can't oh. remember who that guy is. Anything Jude Law is in is good. 
Well, and as a bad guy, Jude Law is phenomenal. I know. Oh, He's a better he, bad guy than he is as a hero. He was the bad guy in The Road to Perdition, and he was phenomenal in that. Well, um, you know, the I, I don't know if you saw the Pope, uh, and I think it's on Netflix, or HBO something uh, that yeah, yeah, he yeah, was he HBO. was the like he's an American pope yeah, and he was he yeah he, a lot of Catholics like kind of view it sacrilegious. However, I he like, like I just didn't I was like nope don't want to watch that. Yeah, but I heard he was good in it. He's fantastic as per usual. Like the thing is, it's like some people, you know, he's one of those guys who's so like incredibly like good looking and mesmerizing on film. Like you just want to watch what he's doing. And then he's just a phenomenal actor. Right. You know, it's almost distracting, but has like a ton of range. I mean, yes. He really all does. All kinds and, of different characters. Yeah. Yeah. And so he has a crisis of faith in, in this, in that series as a, as the Pope and yet uh, performs miracles even still. It's really an interesting thing. So like, you know, all my Catholic friends are like, oh, I'm not watching that crap. And I can see their point, but like I watched it uh, and I thought, you know, as far as um, uh, it was like a an American, young American rabble rouser gets made Pope is what ends up happening, who has a crisis of faith okay. and and is the premise. And it's not the best thing ever, but the 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 so, they, so in other words, it's like a very poor choice, like the one that they just made a few years ago. Well, the thing is, is the, the, um, they got to film though at the Vatican. And so like some of the, the, and the, uh, cinematography is amazing. Yeah. So like, you'll see parts of the Vatican that you wouldn't normally see, which is pretty cool. Anyway, just as an aside, um, it'll offend everybody who's Catholic, who's listening to us. I'm sorry in advance. It's Jude Law. What can I say? Okay, so we should move off from right. Hollywood. We were talking. Well, anyway, I, bring it back to the thirty thousand foot level that got this yeah. thing started, which is um, media as a whole, which mm -hmm. as a business both encompasses the news and the entertainment part of it, um, is struggling yeah. badly, and mm -hmm. is probably due for a good bit of disruption. And so it might not be such a smart call if you're the Democrats to rely solely on air cover from the media uh, in order to win, yeah. right? In the Biden campaign, and, and you know, I'm not alone in, in thinking this, the, the Biden campaign has not really got started yet, just right. opened a campaign office, all that kind of stuff, largely because the party as a whole on the Democrat side is I think mostly resigned to the idea that they are going to have to put somebody else in there, that this is not going to last until November of next year with this guy. I mean, basically, I mean, I, he had Herzog from Israel today and practically fell asleep in the middle of the photo. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's, it's, nap, it's, time. it's nap time for Gonzo. Yeah, I mean, it's said, oh, call it because I'm done, you know, yeah. and it's like, Wait, no, no, no. This is the Israeli prime minister, and he's five feet yeah, away. Yeah, but you the have thing to stay is, awake. This is like when Obama had Netanyahu come in oh. by the garbage dumps in the back door, That's Biden right. falling asleep on the uh, and pretend, even if it's like for real or pretending, or if his staff just didn't give him the coke he needed to stay awake this afternoon. <laughs> no, um, the coke was gone. 
Somebody mm. found the Coke and took it away. And now took everybody in the West. Now like, everybody's sleepy in the West Wing. So, <laughs> so like he's sitting there with the, you know, the prime minister or whoever he's sitting with and falling asleep is a sign of disrespect and all the beat, you know, um, anti-Israel folks. And there's a lot of them in the Democratic Party are loving it. So they're yeah. like, man, that's great. You I know, get it. The problem but, is, is that he also falls asleep with everybody else that he's in front of. Yeah. And it gets worse all the time because when he opens his mouth, he says things that are utter gibberish. And that's with a teleprompter. And when there's no teleprompter, it's worse. Um, (laughs) The the point is, is it's a lot of heavy lifting that you're depending on the media to do for you. Right. Well, they're doing it. I mean, Anna Navarro is a one woman juggernaut for the Biden campaign over at The View. She was she was had a hissy fit yesterday. I don't know, but I I don't think it gets no. I mean, it The View generates people talking about it. But I don't know that it generates actual viewership. Well, here's the thing that she said that was actually semi-intelligible through her screeching, which is that she was worried because Joe Manchin and other, you know, Joe Lieberman, they're talking about running third party, being the moderate people, which is actually, if there was ever a time where this could happen, this would be a, a, a distinct possibility. Like, and so like divide and so she's freaking out she's like joe biden's the guy well you know and like because a third party she believes would help the republicans now we talked beforehand yes she is but we talked beforehand and i'm gonna say something that is gonna make all of you who are watching mad probably scott's gonna you know explain for about 10 minutes all the reasons why i'm wrong but i'm gonna say it anyway Maybe I'll go on strike like the actors and writers and hang you out to dry on it. You just go ahead and do that. I'm a busy woman. Anyway, so so my thought is, is that no Republican can get elected. And I'm going to tell you why. So we have states, Oregon, Nevada, um, where the uh, they have universal ballots sent to every registered voter. So you have problems. Oh, Washington, too, I think. Yep, yep, Colorado and Washington. So here you have states where people, um, and they don't clean up their voter rolls. So like I saw a guy on Twitter say, you know, and he was a conservative guy. He's like, I've gotten four ballots to my house. My wife has gotten two in her name. And, um, what you know, this is cleaning up things. You know, basically, if this is happening to me, who else is this happening to? And then you have a democratic machine and ACE wrote about this, ACE of spades, ace.mood at new, um, talked about this at length as well yesterday. And he's absolutely right, which is that Republicans simply cannot go the places to harvest votes that Democrats do. The Democrats are in high population centers with lots of density. Um, They go into, they can go places, they can have arrangements with people who own tenement buildings. And they can go and just scoop up the hundreds and thousands of votes. And they do. And then you have places like the states I just mentioned, Scott mentioned, that have the universal, which is there's just no way to, once that vote has been cast and sent in, to know that it was done illegally. And then you have the Democrat machines 
in um, Philadelphia, in Chicago, in Detroit, where they can just print um, uh, ballots and take away the ones. I mean, I remember Philadelphia during Romney, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, there were zero Republican votes in two precincts. It's not even statistically possible what happened and yeah. there were zero and you know that what actually Republican... happened in cleveland there was some something like eleven thousand something to nothing in right. one precinct in cleveland right and, and so then you... the zero wasn't really the number the number was the eleven thousand um because right. in a voting precinct there's no way you're going to have that many votes well here's but it was all about it was all about running up a number i mean which is what you're talking about well yes but i'm also saying that the um, machine is up, running, and well-oiled in these yeah. places. So the, the and the Republican response was nothing. And if you're not doing anything in the off season, which nobody's doing, and if you're electing Democrats to your Secretary of State and your Governor's office, hello Michigan, and and it was illegally done because the machine in Detroit makes it happen. You are in a position to never get elected again. Yes. A, a Republican can't get elected in uh, Georgia with the way they did their votes this last time. Hello, Kemp. Or and Arizona. Remember, with they did change that in 2021. They did do some election integrity stuff that actually mattered in 2022. Okay. So, so take so Georgia we'll a little bit off the board on that. Okay. So the the, the playing field isn't, isn't fair anywhere and so for all of donald trump's screeching about you know the unfairness of everything there has been almost nothing done certainly on the national level and and in the critical states to make a difference mm -hmm. and so my thing is it's like we are fighting over nothing because it, it doesn't matter who our candidate is the, it, the whole system is rigged right now and it needs to be addressed, but there's okay. not people in power to address it. The only reason why the Democrats are getting, you know, upset right now is like they have uh, RFK Jr. who is polling way better than he should be. And they have um, moderate Democrats who are like, um, thinking about running and the people the powers in the republic or democratic party are a little bit worried because it doesn't seem plausible that a guy with 28 percent approval could be even donald trump and so that's the problem they're facing because prima fascia people are not going to accept the outcome if biden wins even with 82 million votes because people are like who there's nobody even likes him. And the number of people who are going, you know what, Trump might be in a jail cell, but I'd rather vote for him than have Biden. Uh, and you're seeing those kind of interviews. I don't know if you've seen some of these like man on the street video videos in oh. different cities and the Democrats are like, eh, you know, a little nervous. And yeah. the thing is, is the American people, one, like a comeback story, two, don't like don't like the uh, system to be unfair. And so like now we have, so this goes to what I wrote a year ago, year and probably six months ago, because it was in the winter time or something, I think. And 
um, about the kind of the uh, American people led by the MAGA people who are just all Trump all the time and the deep state, however you want to call it, the bureaucracy, the establishment in D.C., all the people working together, strangely funded by the same people, married to Democrat activists, blah, 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 who are at loggerheads, who hate each other. Mm-hmm. So, and that includes most of the Republicans in Washington, D.C. and online. So, like, if you go on Twitter, if you went on Twitter, you would think nobody liked Trump. Trump is 53 points ahead of Ron DeSantis. It That doesn't happen if most people don't like him. Right. So, you know, I'm so tired of these people talking like experts on Twitter. And I'm like, you have bigger blinders than the average voter out in, you know, name the town. Most people will go, yeah, people really like Trump. I hate him, but people like him. Um, On the right, you can't see that even opinion being stated. um, Okay. Well, what I will say is... uh, one that you didn't mention, which is really scary for the Democrats, because he probably wouldn't pull a whole lot, um, but potentially he could be completely disastrous for them, is Cornell West, um, who is, you know, where is he? He's a professor at, is it Princeton or is it? Something yeah, like that. One of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, who has been a cable news contributor on MSNBC and CNN for a very long time, super well-known in the Black community. Mm -hmm. And Cornell West is now talking about running for president on the Green Party label (laughs) um, and is hypercritical of the Democrat Party for having done nothing for Black people Mm because he's all on the reparations kick. And, you know, the Democrats just aren't doing anything about reparations. Um, if Cornell West goes through with this and runs for president, mm-hmm. um, that's a problem for them. If Cornell, do you think that? Wait, do you think that they'll take him more seriously than like they took Kanye seriously? Oh well, yeah. I mean, Kanye's like can't take seriously. Cornell West is a guy who actually has been a quote unquote thought leader for a long time on the left. Um, well, and- I know that, but the thing is, do you think if if the average black voter had a choice, do you know, would they choose him or, you know, if they hate well, Biden, would they choose Trump? How much trouble he stirs up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, and remember, like this guy has been in all of these, um, you know, summits and confabs with black pastors and stuff all over the country for like a long time. Cornell West has been one of the people like everybody wanted to get him to speak at their deal. Mm. So if he runs for president and he Mm -hmm. racks up a bunch of big black churches, um, especially the, you know, the Reverend Wright type folks, the more radical, um, you know, black liberation theology folks and, you know, runs this, hey, we're going to put pressure on the Democrats to do for us. So, you know, we're like, we're going to demonstrate something to them. Like that could be a problem for Biden. Because it, it, I'm not saying it's going to split the ticket in uh, Philadelphia per se, but it may make it a little harder for that machine to mobilize vote because some of that vote's not going to be for Biden. It might be for West. Um, mm. 
Then you have this other thing, which could be just as bad, which is Joe Manchin running on a no labels ticket. Um, and, you know, this is the thing about Manchin. He doesn't have anything to lose. He can't run for re-election in West Virginia. He's going to get smoked. Jim Justice is going to beat the hell out of him in West Virginia, which is about as Republican a state as there is. Joe Manchin's the last Democrat standing over there. Mm -hmm. And there are too many votes that Joe Manchin has made that will absolutely right. sink him for re-election. Right, right, right. So he can't go home to West Virginia. He's done. All right. Um, he can't win the election. I mean, the, you know, the no labels people will continue with this sort of onanistic idiotic you know they'll be they'll be joining the libertarians in their own yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I the mean, green party you know what he can do, but what he could do if he's super successful and he doesn't have to be super successful five mm percent -hmm. of the vote okay mm -hmm. he's ross perot for the democrats yeah right um and you know and the thing is is that like don't completely discount joe manchin's uh personal calculus here yeah. As badly as they have screwed this guy over, mm -hmm. particularly since 2021, mm -hmm. when the Democrats took over the Senate mm -hmm. and Chuck Schumer has continuously been yeah. Lucy with the football with Joe Manchin. No, no, no. We're going to take care of you and we're going to mm -hmm. do all this stuff. And then he gets burned again and again and again. You can't go to Joe Manchin. Now. How dare you betray us? Right. Because he's going to laugh in your face. Not only has he gotten screwed over at the high end, they've sent demonstrators to harass him on his boat in, you know, that he moors in the Potomac when he's in Washington. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's sitting there on the gunwale having a cocktail and a bunch of retards in kayaks show up to yell at him, right? Mm -hmm. You don't think that old man is not furious about that kind of stuff? I and don't know, though. No protection from them. He's, I'm just pretty, he's pretty embitching, though. I mean, up until this point, he's... This is one of the things about the, um, you know, uh, prostitutes like these guys. It's we're not we're just haggling over the price. Yeah, yeah I get that. He's he's been haggled with so thing. many times. You know, this, he gonna... he's a, yeah, of course he's a prostitute. But this is his last trip. Is the point? Yeah, like okay. he's done. Like mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he's he's not going to win an election in twenty twenty four. There's nothing yeah. he knows that this guy. I mean, I, I'm not a Joe Manchin fan. But Joe Manchin is a is a smart old political cat mm -hmm. who's been pulling elections out for a while because the last two elections he's gotten reelected in West Virginia probably shouldn't have been reelected, right? right? Not that state. And he managed it. Mm -hmm. So this guy knows what the score is. And all he sees is that, okay, first of all, he took my party away because I'm an old school kind of coal miner union Democrat. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist anymore. All of my core voters are big Trump people. Well, right? the, the thing is, I do think they do somewhat exist, but they're just so alienated. You well, know, they don't, they don't exist within the, the political Overton window anymore. Yeah. OK, I mean, that's like the Democrat Party. You can't get a majority of the Democrat Party to vote for that kind of candidate. Yeah. In any place where that kind of candidate can get elected. Mm -hmm particularly mm -hmm. it's a federal office okay right. there's a few in the house there's practically none in the senate basically mansion and kirsten Sinema are the only ones um and let's face it they're going to run both of those off in 24 kirsten Sinema is so? elected oh no, I she's think not even going to be i don't think she's going to be in the runoff i think it's going to be um what's the is it grialva that's running for as a democrat 
Rialba can't beat the Republican, but it's that they have a runoff system in Arizona. Right. So she's going to get squeezed out because she's running independent. She's going to get squeezed out and it's going to be Grijalva against the Republican. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who are happy with her in in Arizona. I know, but she doesn't have a party apparatus that's going to work for her. Mm -hmm. That's the point. And the Democrats hate her so much. They're going to pour a bunch of money into that race to to squeeze her out. She's Mm -hmm. screwed. There's nothing she can do. Um, And it's because the Democrat Party is just done with those people. They want to move hard, hard left because the power centers, like you said, in that party are all hardcore urban areas where Bernie Sanders is a conservative. Um, and therefore all of this crazy social, you know, experimentation, trying to create the electorate that will go for full on communism because it's a bunch of dysfunctional people. And I mean, they're well into that project. They're, and you know, women. So- it's, it's mostly women. I yeah. mean, the, the thing is, is that like, we're really seeing a gender divide too, which nobody wants to really talk about. And um, well, it's, it's, it's single women mm-hmm. versus right. Cause married women are still more Republican than Democrat. They are. So the millennials in general though, are more Democrat yeah. and um, more socialist. And I, I just saw reason magazine also, um, want people fired for wrong speech yes more than any other generation i mean that's just it's you know the they talk about the millennials being just a crappy generation they are like the progeny of boomers for sure Um, i mean they are but remember there's that dynamic the older you get and the more life experience you have it will move you to the right yeah um but yeah, millennials and Zoomers, as they are con- currently constituted right now, um, are absolutely abysmal politically. There's no question about it. Well, they're um, perfect products of the you know modern public education. They're exactly without, what they without question. You know, I was thinking about this today because I was like, I mean, when I was reading that um, kind of research, and I was like, you know, these ch- these kids, I know these kids because they were in the schools and. I, the teachers, and this happened in Texas in my school, and it's happening. Oh, sorry. Um, lots of places, which is, you know, they just march the kids through the school with their hands behind the back, their backs. They're like little soldiers, and they have been browbeaten into be quiet. All they're hurt, all they hear their whole life is be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Yeah. And and so then the ones who are like, I'm going to be heard, are going to be transgender kids. And the uh, normies are, are cowed into silence and told that they're a little racist or or that they have no future because the, of their skin color or whatever. No, I get it. You know, I'm just saying the more life experience you get, the more you realize that all of that is bullshit. And yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, like they was said of the boomers, the ones who were the big hippies in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And the 80s were like the big Reagan conservatives, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, when they realized the things that they believed in as kids were lies, yeah. their reaction was extreme. Um, and you, I think you may very well see that with a lot of millennials. And, and I think you're really going to see it with the Zoomers. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Who, like, none of this stuff, like, really none of this stuff works for them. 
and yet they've been browbeaten into it. But when they get to the point where they're in their 30s, I mean, yeah. those kids are probably going to revolt pretty seriously uh, against a lot of this stuff, you know. And I mean, the big thing is, is yeah, you see all these polls and all oh, these kids are all socialists. And it's like, yeah, they have a bad idea of capitalism. It's because look at what they think of capitalism as, right? right? Which is, you know, the banksters that caused the Great Recession and nobody mm -hmm. went to jail. And it's mm -hmm. like, hey, I hate to tell you, but the big capitalists think that that was crap, too. Right. Right. Like that's not, you know, now you go to these people and you talk to them about like mom and pop businesses on Main Street. None of these kids have a problem with that. It's it's weird because they you have you see these big numbers about, you know, socialism is gaining on capitalism. And yet it's the most entrepreneurial generation we've ever produced. Right. Right. And I think the answer is, is that they're so poorly educated in economics that they didn't even know what capitalism actually right. is. Right, right, right. Um, and there's an opportunity politically there to actually get a message across to these kids. Um, Can I ask you something completely unrelated, but that's been on my mind? There, of course. <laughs> this is not overtly political, but it is about kind of how you know, we've had discussion about how tribal everything is as far as and fracturing. And it'll be interesting to see if we do have these, you know, various candidates come in and the discussions that we're having. One of the things that I've found fascinating is that, you know, RFK has been talking a lot about um, uh, COVID, the vaccine, all of this stuff. DeSantis you know, didn't shut down the state no matter what Trump says, not in the same way anyone else was knows and, and, and everybody knows he it. He did but what everybody did initially and then he backed away from it when he saw what was happening. Immediately, right, you know. And so Trump really attacked his strength and Trump is kind of weak. But one thing that's kind of interesting and Trump is once again ahead of the curve in the gamble he's making is that nobody really wants to talk right now about COVID anymore. And the, and the ruling class does. Well, the I, mean, I think the American people are more than happy to have a COVID debate. Yes, the, but the ruling class doesn't want to have this right. discussion because nothing that they did was right or worked. And and so like um, all of a sudden, like a friend, friend of mine who wasn't in touch through COVID was very hostile, whatever has come back out of the ether. We're not going to discuss the fact that, um, you know, she thought we were grandma hating meanies for being, you know, for pro-choice that people could choose their if they wanted to be vaccinated and, or not. The other thing is, is that like the research is showing that in order to be effective, you need like boosters every two months. And so my question is for all of the high and mighty on the left, how many of you are up to date on your COVID boosters? And no one is talking about this. No one's saying anything. All of a sudden, nobody wants to, to have this discussion. The problems that we're having in, in schools where the, there's the learning lag. And I've been frankly shocked that that was like a saw some research that kids are about three months behind um, where they were before um, COVID. But one way or the other, I'm just like, the silence is deafening. 
And I was wondering, is this a, is this what happened with Spanish flu? Or is this a, is this just human nature? I, I just am like, what is going on here that nobody wants to discuss the most important thing ever? And the only thing that we're seeing is that um, the excess deaths have finally declined. And so I was looking at that research yesterday, and I was like, um has it finally declined because people have stopped taking the boosters and they're they're so like because it's like it was like going you know up and down kind of with the rise and fall of who knows that I don't know if that's been ferreted out but it's been dropping like rock and I'm just wondering if everybody's freaked out by the these uh mRNA vaccines and they've had because they keep dumping them they're you know that now they're just dumping them because they had millions and millions of extra anyway my question is is like I'm trying to wrap my head around this phenomenon where people were so hysterical hysterical willing to have their neighbors starve for their own psychological comfort Mm -hmm. and now it's nothing like I just well, you know, what what I would call your attention to is, you know, six to nine months ago, we had uh, a smattering of these pieces that would show up in places like uh, the Huffington Post and the Atlantic mm-hmm. and these other things. And they were like, well, we need a COVID amnesty, right? You remember mm-hmm. all that? Yeah, wasn't a ton of it, but there was a there was a pretty good bit mm-hmm. um, that these things would pop out, and it was and it was all wacko COVID Karens mm-hmm. who acted the ass in front of everybody, and of course, the, you know these were writers, so they you know they they mm-hmm. would like act this way in public, and then they would post this crap all over the internet. Mm-hmm. and fueled a lot of this stuff and now it's well you know we shouldn't beat each other up about this and of course mm-hmm. the anti-vaccine crowd and the anti-lockdown crowd the response to that was oh no 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 right you get your um absolution after you make your act of contrition right right and that act of contrition has never been made it's still not being made now that's and the thing is now we can say the truth i remember way back at the beginning i wrote this tweet ha 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 we're gonna find out that anthony fauci funded the lab in in wuhan like i said it as a joke before anything and we're gonna find out that the gain of function little did i know and then of course that's what comes out and then you know here's this guy who uh which is like miraculously why didn't this come out you know months ago but he was in charge of um bio de- bio weapons under gw bush and uh he's on record on this video talking about defecting russian um scientists who he learned so much from about the weaponization of biological agents you know and and then, oh, by the way, it is true that we had, um, uh, uh, you know, medical institutions or, you know, research facilities in Ukraine. And this is a thing that is actually happening. And we're not going to have a discussion about this. Like you people called the American people and anyone else a conspiracy theorist and a liar and a purveyor of misinformation. And you were the liars. 
Yeah. And then and then you were wrong and lied about the COVID vaccine. You were wrong and lied about masks. You were wrong. And you had the power, because you're in charge of institutions, to wreck our education, educational system, to wreck our economic system. And now, you know, the United States right now is borrowing five billion with a B a day yep. to uh fund itself. Yep. I'm just like, there's no, is there no reckoning for anything? You know, and here's the problem. And there are other things that are in the way. Okay. So this isn't going to get a full vetting. Um, Like this is the problem with Trump. Trump can't talk about this because Mm -hmm. Trump's record on COVID was bad. Right. Now I don't necessarily fault him on this. Mm -hmm. Like, Trump didn't reverse the momentum of the deep state, right. which was weaponizing against him, right? Right, And he missed that. Mm-hmm. Now, what you've seen is sort of a more general, and I wouldn't even call it a mea culpa, but he has made comments like, yeah, you know, like second term, I want to hire better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, good. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that, right? Because mm-hmm. that is a big issue that I think he owes his voters particularly uh, a better you know kind of i would like him to fire better i would like him to you know forget the hiring i don't care if like we have empty seats throughout the federal government that's that's a good thing fire them and then let's get to hiring and then defund the position (laughs) exactly is what you need to do right we just need to Stop the madness. You know, we had a great article. I've talked about it before. Betsy DeVos wrote about getting rid of the Department of Education right. at the American Spectator. Right. I, I would recommend if you're watching this and ha- are not yeah, a print subscriber, sure. you need that is the yeah. issue from cover to cover is all about education and it is fantastic. And uh, we make recommendations on schools for, uh, you know, if you're looking for college students or whatever. But I just noticed that there's nothing and Trump just wants to dance past it. And I think he's going to get his wish because I think all of the people who were so terrible throughout that time don't want to have to face themselves either. Well, that's just it. It's not that, I mean, Biden can't attack Trump on COVID. Uh, If it isn't Biden, Gavin Newsom can't attack Trump on COVID. Right, right. Gretchen Whitmer can't attack Trump on COVID. Right. Okay, now, maybe Michelle Obama could. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Obama, if she ended up being their nominee, would say nothing the entire campaign, right? Like, you would get a bunch of mindless platitudes from her and just, like, more say nothing. nothing. Than, more nothing than Joe Biden or, like, I mean, Kamala Harris. She would, she would have more multi-syllabic words than Kamala Harris, and otherwise you would get Kamala Harris. That's what Michelle Obama would bring to the table. Because the point about it is, is it wouldn't even be about Michelle Obama running. It would be about Michelle Obama's name being on the ballot mm-hmm. and just leave it at that. And anybody who attacks her, you know, is a racist and a sexist, right? right. And that's that's that, right? And she'd right. Say it's an Oprah campaign, which honestly... I think the only thing that prevents that from happening is that it's not something that she actually wants to do. Okay. Um, 
But I mean, like all the politicians that they have that they could put in that in that race, whether it's Biden or or Kamala Harris or Newsom or Whitmer or Murphy from uh, uh, New Jersey, mm -hmm. uh, Pritzker from Illinois. Ooh, okay. Pritzker. Ooh. But they're all they all have a COVID record that right. is awful. Okay, mm -hmm. so none of them can criticize Trump. Trump can't criticize them mm -hmm. because Trump was, right. I mean, to this day, hey, I did Operation Warp Speed. It's like, yeah, right. yeah, and you produced the myocarditis vaccine. Good for you. I mean, right. Like, so nobody has a good, I mean, DeSantis has a good record on this. DeSantis has a problem in that Trump is in the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, and I, I did a radio show in Chicago Monday. Um, and we talked about this um, this subject. And like I compared it, we've got a governor's race in Louisiana coming up this fall. And Jeff Landry, who's the attorney general of the state, is almost certain to win, I think, at this point. Um, it's a jungle primary. There's a Democrat who's going to get 25 to 30 percent of the vote or maybe more in the primary. And then there's like four other Republicans and Landry. And historically, it's like, well, one of the kind of dark horses is who usually wins in these races. Mm -hmm. And so you never really put your money on the on the favorite. But in this case, the problem that you have is all of these other Republicans have built their careers as like they're conservatives. So mm -hmm. their base is the same as Landry's base. And the base likes Landry better than him. So right, like right. there's really no way to, to get above this. And if you're DeSantis, who you build yourself as Trump 2.0, OK, and mm -hmm. and can make a credible argument that I'm, you know, the 2.0 version is actually the improved version. Right. right. I've proved it. I've got done these things in Florida. The stuff that Trump does that's messy. I can do clean. Like we mm -hmm. could have a whole podcast making those arguments. Yeah. And they actually really are good arguments. He doesn't have the pizzazz that Trump has and all that kind of stuff like that. He's also, you know, more of a professional politician, which is good and bad in certain different ways. Right. But the number one thing is, is that people regard Trump as the genuine article, okay? Mm -hmm. And they're not pulling off of Trump. The majority of the Republican Party believes the election was stolen from him in 2020 and believes that he's owed a shot to, to steal right. it back, right? Um, and so, I, like, I don't think everybody's criticizing DeSantis' campaign. I don't think he's done anything wrong. I just don't, I think that the lane is smaller than people thought it was going to be four months ago. Right? I think what he did wrong was run. I, oh, the, okay. I mean, the, in some ways, I mean, he'll, he's got more national name recognition. Now he can go back to Florida and continue to govern and then run again if he wants. But the thing is, is that like, um, well, if I'm him, I'm, I'm going to stick in it for a while because you, yes, I mean, right. You don't know what can happen, is the point. Like, Well, he's burning through cash, though. Well, that's why they laid a I bunch mean, of people off, cut the burn rate, and, and just right. let's see what happens. And now right. he's, you know, he's running his campaign probably like he should have to begin with, which yeah. is I'm just going to go on TV all the time because it's working for Ramaswamy like there's no tomorrow. Right, um, right, right. You know, and Ramaswamy's building. I, look, ultimately, that guy, either either he's the VP, which I think is a great idea, or he flips over and he runs against Sherrod Brown in Ohio and mm -hmm. stomps a mud hole in Sherrod. Oh, that would be great. Cause and it, well, I mean, yeah. to me, I think that's like, mm -hmm. that's the obvious call. Cause 
Brown is a dunce, and you put Ramaswamy in a room with that guy. A dunce who seems to win again and again. Yeah, Um, I get it, but Ohio is redder now than it's been. No, that's true. And Ramaswamy's brilliant. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, is that, like, Ramaswamy, in my opinion, has more charisma than DeSantis does. He does. And so, you know, people like that kind of charisma in a president. And um, domestically and with all the agencies and stuff, I can see DeSantis being much, much better, like staffing up the administration, uh, do, you know, personnel as policy. He's going to be great. Well, about and, a whole host make of all things. the plans and then aggressively mm-hmm. execute them yes. because what he did in Florida. Exactly. Um, However, yeah. I will say this in Trump's defense, where I think he's weak is where I think that Trump is strong. And I'm going to say something again, crazy that people are think is nuts is foreign policy. Yeah. Trump, Trump's peace through strength. I don't think DeSantis has the gravitas to do that. I don't think he could go into the G7 and tell everybody to sit down, shut the F up. This is what we're doing. He's I don't. Right. And I don't That's think one of his problems. Right. He's too young for that. Well, right. and Trump just doesn't care. He's right. not seeking the approval of these people. He's like, we're the biggest one in the room. And this is foolishness. We're stopping it. And so like when, when I do think that there's an, and also he's completely unpredictable, which makes everybody nervous, which is exactly what you want in foreign policy. So like, I have like real mixed emotions about these guys as um, candidates. And what bothers me is like, there's really so much hatred for Trump. And then of course, all of the investigations and that sort of thing that nobody can honestly talk about their strengths and weaknesses that there are very good reasons why people stick with trump and it's not just because they're cultists yes there's some of that but no but but no president gets elected without you know people like anna navarro slobbering over them you know like uh, by uh, obama had the whole media and the whatever fangirling and we have a media now who does the exact same thing so it's not like it's it's for whatever reason, Republicans are not allowed to have a, a big personality um, that pe- that uh, inspires, you know, folks like um, well, like. Wait, Trump you does. know the reason for that? Because I mean, we you saw it with Reagan. If you have a right. popular American president who's a Republican and means what he says, right? Then you you get a massive, you know, political shift that it takes them 30 years to overcome, right? right. Um, and and well, that shift actually is, involves core governance issues, right? Right, right. Um, You know, I mean, the, 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 mm-hmm. the ultimate tragedy is that you didn't have a Reaganite who succeeded Reagan, because if you'd have had somebody who actually would have followed through on his stuff, it would have been the end of the welfare state. It would have been the end of the mm-hmm. great society. It would have been the end of all that stuff because it was all teed up in 1988. Yeah, um, but we had Bush, who was the former head of the CIA, who was a deep state guy, who really thought he was better than the American people, who yeah. who looked down on Reagan as a kind of a dummy. And this is and Bush and all of his, you know, his kids here in Texas, they're Democrat light. And they think that they know what's good for the little people. And sure. frankly, I'm fed up with it. And so like when 
when Trump has his positive uh, feedback from the people who obviously support him, um, you know, it, it's an unfathomable for most of, of the political class, right and left. But it's understandable because no, no one, including DeSantis, as much as I like him, is speaking the language of the of the um, average voter. And you have to be able to communicate to people right. um, and you have to be able to inspire them. And so like, well, it's a challenge because I do see all the weaknesses about Trump and I'm not particularly excited about having him back in charge just because I don't trust him to staff upright. You know, I just, I think that the, yeah. I don't yeah, think but, we're going to see the change that people think we'll see if he's president. Well, the, but the fun, the fundamental obstacle that DeSantis and all the rest of these people are running into is that the bulk of the Republican party, um, senses this thing and like you wrote about it angelo Cotavilla, all those years back in the american spectator yeah you know had it right you know it's the country class and the ruling class mm -hmm. and the bulk of the republican voting base is core center country class mm -hmm. um they hate the ruling class people in their own party and they hate the ruling class people in the other party yeah. which is which is the active ingredient of the ruling class. I mean, hate them enough, it's almost civil war time. Um, and so... And can Donald you blame Trump, them? The thing no, is, I'm the one thing, of them, okay? I mean, I like... Yeah, the thing is that frustrates me is that when I talk to like the, the DC people, they find this all mysteriously and unfathomable. There right. were such good people trying to do what's good for yeah. the country. And, no, and the not. response is, no, we hate right. you. Right. It's you that we hate. Okay. Right. And, yeah. and we'll give you chapter and verse reasons why we hate you. Okay. You're, you're, you have an eminently punchable face. Okay. Right. Um, you know, and it's like because of 35, 40 years that you guys have abjectly screwed this country. Right. Okay. And, you know, the only guy willing to say and do the things that are desperately necessary to, to generate some churn in who the ruling class is and how it thinks in this country is Trump. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I think there are other people. I think DeSantis is in there, but yeah. he's probably more of an implementer than a than a front man. Mm -hmm. um, I think Ramaswamy, we talked about it. I think mm -hmm. has some of the stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the and other he just ones, doesn't have the the. No, well, he's never been in politics, and what he is is he's he's a he's a, a really good media figure. Okay, right. Right. Um, who probably needs a little more seasoning for presidential politics, but he's making a really nice start at it, and I think the guy's got a hell of a future. Right. Um, but like, you know, you're seeing some of that. Then you see um, and our producer, Jeremy, is going to going to like me that we finally are getting around to this uh, Friday in Iowa. Uh, you know, the Blaze TV and um, um, I can't remember who the other organization that put the summit on for the presidential candidates in Iowa. Turning Point, wasn't it? Turning Point. No, no, no. Turning Points was down in Florida. Oh, okay. uh, but they had Tucker Carlson interviewing these Republican candidates. And it was the best candidate forum that the Republican Party has ever put on because mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson pulled no punches and asked real questions. Right. It wasn't some cattle call thing. Hey, what's your position on abortion? And then everybody gives a canned answer. He wouldn't right. let him do that. 
and he utterly destroyed at least two of them, right? Uh, most he utterly of them. destroyed uh, Asa Hutchinson. Not that there was much there to destroy. And okay? Pence. And more than that, he absolutely annihilated Mike Pence because he asked him a question, why do you care so much about Ukraine getting tanks when all of our cities are falling apart, right? And there's something of a kind of a false question there because it's not like we're not spending the money on our cities and they're falling apart. Right. But it's a question of sort of policy energy, like this is what we should be working on fixing rather than seeing how much hardware we can give to Zelensky and his goons in Ukraine who are going to sell it out the back door rather yeah, than but, actually but go win a war with it. Tucker's follow-up question was even better because he said, then he said when he could see Pence kind of uh, was like, okay, what is the strategic objective? And so, like, I got in a fight with some of my. He asked that to Tim Scott too, and it yes, didn't go Repub well. Republican friends, and all of the pro-Ukrainian people could not answer it. And I'm like, I am sorry, but the American people deserve an answer sure. and a clear one. Yeah. And How many wars have we gone to where we couldn't right. answer this question? Like, when are we going to learn? Right. Right. And so it should be. You should have an elevator pitch, you pro-Ukraine people, where you can tell me in one sentence the strategic advantages of us being in Ukraine and why us spending billions. And don't some of these answers so far have not been satisfying. And furthermore, we are mowing down, we are chewing up the young generation in Ukraine. For what? What does success look like and when will we have achieved it? So well, we've killed a bunch of Russian young men and we've killed a bunch of Ukrainian young men. And the end result, I have a feeling, is going to be the same, which is part of the Donbass. It's well, going to go to Russia. We're going to. That, that was Carlson and Tim Scott to a T. Yeah. Which was Carlson asked Tim Scott, and I like Tim Scott. I like him. There's no business running for president. And the more you listen to him, you realize that Tim Scott's just fine in the Senate voting the way right. the party wants him to vote. But when you ask Tim Scott to step out and do real things, right. he's not there yet. OK, and he might get there because he's still pretty young, but he ain't there. And the, like this was a perfect exposition of that because Carlson asks, is like, OK, what does victory in Ukraine look like? Right. You know, well, he says, why aren't we at the peace table? And Tim Scott, oh, you know, we got to win. We got to win. So, okay, well, what does winning look like? Right. And so he talks a long way around, right back to, well, when we go to the peace table, we want to be in a good position. And it was like, are you kidding me? We're already in a good position. Let's just go to the peace table. Like, what, right. like why do we need to spend any more money if we're going to end up in the same place? And every real discussion about Ukraine, this is how it ends up. Because even the biggest, you know, Ukraine fanboys and fangirls know that this is ultimately going to have to be, you know, it's a ceasefire, it's peace talks, right. and then you redraw the map, you do the best you can, and hopefully that peace lasts for a while, right? That's the best you're ever going to do, okay? You're not... That, you know, this spring offensive that the Ukrainians were going to launch and they were going to re-get... Well, they launched it. And this, and the, the battle lines haven't moved, okay? Nothing has happened, no. all right? We, uh, was it a hundred, over a hundred... 
Right, a hundred tanks, hundred tanks destroyed. Right. The 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 spring offensive was an utter failure. Yeah. And it's not like the Russians are having great failure, great successes. It's just that it's a complete mess. Well, and so one of one of my neocon friends said, "Well, the war is over when Russia completely pulls out their troops and tanks and capitulates and they're says not doing that? they're not doing that." Not, so why should they do it? They've got they're dug in on a on a triple layer Maginot line defense. Right. And you don't like they control Belarus. And so you can't do what right. the Nazis did to the French, which was to go through Belgium. There is no Belgium. There's no way around right. that. They've built the line. It's done. You can't invade Belarus and then go around there. there none of that is possible. OK, right. right. So what are you going to do? And, and the right. answer is basically we're back to World War One with the neocons. Right. Yeah. We're back to this stupid fat general in the bunker. No, send more of them over the land. It's like, no, all you're doing is killing your troops. Right. That's all this is. Right. Okay? And and a lot of us have been saying this for months. From the beginning. The thing is, this okay, was obvious the... in the beginning. Right. Like Which even is, with... okay. And, and, you know, and I'll, look, I'll give DeSantis some criticism here. He had it right from the very beginning. He says, look, right. there's a territorial dispute between Russia and Ukraine. Okay, it's not mm -hmm. core to our national interests. What we should do is we should negotiate some sort of peace between these two countries. Period. That's right. it. And you know, and he got annihilated by that because of donors, right? Who are mm -hmm. all in on no, no, no. We got to win in Ukraine. It's like okay, but there is no winning. No. The, like, the, and every day that goes by, there's more losing. Yeah, this is well, my thing. Every day that look, goes by, there's more chance of someone effing up, and then we have Poland in the war, or then we have a problem from Belarus. No I mean, you know, the thing is, the chances of catastrophe—it's already terrible—are yeah. so great, and we're kind of limping along. I swear that that the West is waiting for Putin to do something dramatic. So they can justify world war, so they can get themselves out of the financial morass they're in because of all the stupidity over the last hundred years since you know World War II. It's well, just driving me crazy. And and um, what I will allow is that for the first six or eight months of this thing, yeah, you could say, okay, so what we want to do is we want to unload all of our old armaments that we're not using anymore that don't really figure into our current battle systems that we've just had sitting around dump all that on the ukrainians and see if it works turns out it does right so we wiped out a big chunk of russia's frontline troops mm -hmm. hey that's not a terrible thing it defangs them a little bit let them bleed you know now maybe you know what we'd hope is they'll get tired of this and they'll get rid of putin well Okay, I was never on board with that because getting rid of Putin, we talked about this. Russian history right. indicates you're going to get a lot worse than Putin if you get rid of Putin. They don't tend to pick a lot of Jeffersonian Democrats to run their country in Russia. So right. that was never a smart call. But degrading their military for a while and making them less dangerous to other countries, I could see national interest in that. Okay. But once you get to the point where, you know, where they basically had to stop their attacks, and then he right. said he was going to go and recruit another 300,000 people, conscript another 300,000 people to start, again, to start again, that was when you made peace. Hey, right. 
we ground up Fear Army. We're going to grind up the next group. Like, you know, right. what do you, like, what do you want? And then, you know, you're haggling over, you know, which little stream somewhere is going to be the boundary between right. Ukraine and Russia and the Donbass. Okay. Right. And that, like, that's how this thing was always moving. And here's the thing. That's how wars usually end. Right. Okay. Maybe that's not our tradition. What we like is total victory in World War II, right? right? Or, you know, kicking the crap out of Mexico and getting more and more territory every time we fight them. Right. Or something right. like where we get the Philippines right. away from Spain. Right. You know, we, hey, you know, we win all right. these wars. And that's all fine and well and good. But this is not a war you can win. Okay. Just like right. Korea was not a right. war that you could right. win. Or Vietnam right. was not a war that you could win. Maybe you shouldn't have fought it. Or maybe needed to understand getting into it we're not actually going to win this we're going to do it for a while until the other guy gets tired and then we're going to go back to the status quo before all right and that actually is a win um desert storm was like that okay yeah well, right, was right you bit right. off more than you could chew and you ended up losing and afghanistan was the same thing mm-hmm. so like we don't understand what winning a war is anymore and so now you have these pie in the sky ideas that you're going to, what are you going to do? You're going to roll this thing back and you're going to take Moscow. Like right. everything about this is stupid. And if you realize, okay, this is historically, it's a territorial conflict. They've had a thousand of these in Europe over the last right. whatever. Um, and this is how they get resolved. So let's get to that so that we can you know, stop having people die and stop wasting money on this. And they well, and the thing is, is Putin, for that. Putin has learned some things in this. He thought that he was going to find a, a soft place to fall in certain parts of Ukraine. And that didn't happen. So he was operating under the delusion, probably because of his bad intel, that there were a lot of people in Ukraine who were pining for the motherland. That was not the case. It is not the case. And so now he knows imagine, that. Imagine the country that suffered the Holodomor doesn't have a soft spot for Russia. Well, I mean, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like sure. the Russian no, speakers. I, mean, I, like, I don't doubt that you're right in that. It's just, that's right. like, it's just not stupid. a particularly incisive mentality. That well, and he also was told certain things by his generals as far as the readiness of troops and his equipment. And so all the weaknesses of Russia have been revealed. And now he knows. And he's going to be questioning a lot. And right now he's off in a lot of uh you know uh generals and they probably deserve it it's too bad we can't do that in america mark milley see you later um and you know really reboot your military and get the right people in charge and and clean the mess up that he didn't realize he was sitting on okay fine so um but there but that's been revealed okay so now what so now let's go back everybody suck their thumb and Ukraine already has the uh, assurances of billions of American dollars because of BlackRock and everybody else. Everybody's going to get rich off of this. Yay! Now we're we're going to have another generation of Russian and Ukrainian men who are completely damaged, and it's going to take generations to undo it. Yep. And here we, you know, this is a horrible, horrible thing, and it doesn't need to be a worldwide thing, and it's got to stop. And what I don't hear from the neocon types or from any really uh, candidate anywhere is how they would do that. And the only one I think that is thinking about how they would do that and actually has some sense about that is Trump. 
And people are saying, yeah, but he's Who's saying not this. Neocon type, by the way. No, he's not. But I do think that he could be more influential in getting this done and being like, especially if he says to, to Zelensky, the spigots are turning off. And the thing is, like, when I was looking at Zelensky over there when NATO was all together and they're all party mood, it's that poor guy, he was standing there. He looked, he looked so bleak. And I was like, has the reality finally occurred to you that you are a pawn in this? That that your country and your people were simply chess pieces for uh, a very indolent uh, Europe and a corrupt America? Yep. I feel sorry for him in well, some ways. He, it was of the course, he's got his Fidel Castro military uniform on. Oh, yeah. Right? suit and it's like okay and now you realize that you don't belong here right well and right? The thing like is, you finally yeah. like they're we're finally at the point where we're pretty we're you know you're not cute anymore right. and you're just not going to get anything and you're done right um you know and like and a year i actually thought that was somewhat hopeful because yeah well i mean the point is it's like okay so now at least one aspect of this um the false facade is finished and we're done with it so we'll see well i i think that um it's not i the the thing that still bothers me about this engagement is it could so clearly go two ways and i don't trust our the leadership in america yeah. there's a lot of reasons I in the west should. in general and there's a lot of reasons why i could see them amp amping things up just uh for their own political gain yeah. and so it's a terrible position to be and it's just uh, well, what i don't know is because the american people eventually get tired of all this stuff what i yeah. don't know is whether we're there yet well um, we're not seeing the the all of the ukraine people who had the signs in their bios those are you claim flags are kind they're of, gone yeah that that, mm. that they're off to the next new thing i'm not sure well the pride the pride you know uh gavin Newsom has his his uh finger on the pulse of psychosis <laughs> and so um him yeah. and barack obama promoting the books that shaped them as youths evidently they were pedophiles and you know uh looked at gay porn as children a good possibility actually and that's what shaped them and that's what they're defending and fighting for in the public schools it, yeah. i mean we have reached peak absurdity it's just i can't take it and so yeah. now we so that's where the left is mm -hmm. and uh that's what so they've all got pride you know rainbow posters in their um bios right. but even right. that's starting to get pushed back too sure. and i will say this you know, we've got minority populations in America who think all of this is just straight up hooey. And so um, things are shifting. Uh, I There was some research that said that DEI, um, something like there hadn't been any hirings in the Fortune 500, like four hirings, and there had been like just a bloodbath, like in most of the companies, though, those whole departments are being let go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, they're, they're disrupting the whole company. Right. Exactly. So at some point, so, they're like, okay, we can't do this. So there's some hopeful, there's sure. some hopeful things. You know, there. we always end these shows on a hopeful note. Okay. Like you're like Miss Eeyore over here, but we I am. always end these shows on a hopeful note.
So I do think that the social in the social and cultural realm, um, you know, we talked about the Hollywood before and we're talking about education and yeah. um, and kind of the social and sexual mores of Americans, that there's a swing <laughs> back in the positive direction and that mm -hmm. that is positive and that the Americans are kind of coming out of their like ether and yeah, actually people fighting are starting them. to see what that stuff looks like and they're yeah. just get it off get it off and i think that you know th that i mean maybe we had to suffer through some of this stuff so that folks could actually get some experience about how bad it is yeah but we're getting it and and you're seeing it you know mm -hmm. so hopefully that'll, uh, that'll you know winston churchill said the americans do the right thing eventually <laughs> yeah. we've exhausted all the other options we exhaust every terrible option then we finally do the right thing yeah. uh, he's not wrong nope. so on that note is there anything you want to um pimp for the week i mean i'm excited uh, well, I, about your book coming out yeah that's you know we're we're d d wrapping up all the final you know little uh uh things to that and it's going to be a lot of fun when it comes out in september um uh did we talk we did uh earlier today the uh house of representatives in louisiana voted 75 to 23 to overturn the democrat governor john bell edwards's veto of a bill that would ban pediatric sex changes and puberty blockers for minors um so is that you know, your dog am i here yes this is bingle who's desperate to go outside hang oh, on man. we're going in a minute um so anyway uh the bill's going to go to the senate and and more than likely it'll be the veto will be overridden uh so that'll be you know that'll be a thing uh edwards i think has destroyed his any hope of a political career that he might have going forward, which would probably involve running for the Senate in 2026 against Bill Cassidy. Um, I wouldn't have thought that Bill Cassidy could win re-election, but he can win re-election against John Bell Edwards now. So that's a win. That's a win. Even we got to take them where we can get them. We got to take them where we can get that's them. It. So that, that was a nice, a nice little, uh, a nice little development. So the people of Louisiana are fighting back at long last. All right. Bit. Well, that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I am very curious to know if our watchers and readers at the American Spectator um, are for what is happening in Ukraine. I am genuinely curious about that. I am too. And so, like, feel free to write me for those of you who are watching this, Mackenzie M at spectator.org, and give me your feedback about it because. Um, if again, if you look at the political class, they're all for it, but I just don't know if the American people, even on the right are as for it or if for it in the way that it seems to be going, um, right now. So anyway, so thank you all for watching, like subscribe, share, and, uh, make sure and give us your feedback. We really appreciate you listening and thank you for our stand-in producer, Jeremy, for helping us out today. We'll see you next week. See you guys.